Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host Jim Nettles and running a little late with the drop this week but uh, I just spent a couple of weeks over in Europe bouncing around Ireland, Scotland, uh, even a little bit of France. Um, mainly getting to go play a little bit finally while I was getting to go to a lot of places I've been in the past. I'd always been there for work. And so this trip was while doing some research and stuff for some future projects. A lot of this was actually getting to go see, feel, and really just kind of go actually get to play in Europe. And while I've been before, my my spouse has not um, had a bunch of the family with us and whatnot. So it was a really interesting and, and kind of fascinating trip. And bouncing around, you know, of course, being a writer and everything else, a lot of what I wanted to take a look at was, you know, where what does the history look like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And it's a very different feel when you're somewhere, you know, when you're going in to go work, when you're going in, going in and doing meetings, it really doesn't matter where you're at on the planet. I've been a lot of places, done a lot of things. Um, I'm also a museum hound. So getting to go and dive in and play is, is always one of the things that I love to do. And so this was an opportunity to get to do a lot more of that than I have in the past. And, you know, one of the things that I thought it was worthwhile to talk about is, and, and as we were walking around, we were talking about the context of the times. We were talking about the context of, of the place we're in. You know, how the look, the feel, you know, how all of these things really can impact you as a creator, as a writer. And for anybody who has never been um, to Europe, if you're if you're here in the States and you've never been out of the country, you know, it's it's really hard necessarily to understand how different so many places can be and how history can change and impact and change the context of the times change the context of the things that we do, we look at, and really our understanding of the world around us. And so going around, you know, one of the first places we, we stopped in and spent a day was in Dublin. I used to work out of Dublin. I know the city pretty well. Um, one of the things, unfortunately, was that the Writers Museum there has now closed. Um, and there's a, a an article on there about why they feel they're no longer in context for the times and things like this. And when I saw that, it was it was one of those things that really kind of hit me, you know, to be in the city, to walk on the same streets, you know, to be able to sit down next to a statue of Oscar Wilde. Right. Um, to know that this is the city that inspired Bram Stoker, Dracula, so many things, you know, walking around through the cities where the streets where James Joyce walked, you know, walked to go by the houses of so many famous writers. You know, uh, several writers were all lived on the street up the street from where I used to work. And I never really paid that much attention to it when I was there. You know, bouncing around, going around, looking and getting the feel of the history, the look, the structure. You know, one of the things that we talked about was even as you move between different cities and different regions, how quickly the personality shifted, how quickly the, the culture even could shift, even within the same country, just from going one city to another, right? And this is one of those things that we we're talking about was the importance of context. 
the importance of getting a look and a feel for somewhere. It's one thing to see the pictures of a, of a place distant. It's another thing to actually go and be there and get the look, the feel, that energy, the sights, the smells, and even the weather. And one of the things I will absolutely say is we were very fortunate about the weather. You know, we only got rained on a couple of times. I mean, I'm used to going to Europe and, you know, in the summer and carry a jacket. It's, you know, in the 60s, you're getting rained on all the time. Um, we had fantastic weather and had a fantastic trip. And talking about the different history and the different context, you know, as we made our way through Ireland, we made our way over to Scotland, you know, we get into Edinburgh. And, you know, one of the things that, that always struck me, even when I used to go over there, is how much writers and creators are celebrated and still are. And how rich and fertile an environment this is to inspire writing and creativity and style. You know, getting to Edinburgh, which is one of my favorite cities. It's a great city. It's a fun place. But it is one that is full of history and with a history of creators and writers and storytellers. Because you can't help but feel the richness of it. You know, we went to the Writers Museum in Edinburgh, which is where Robbie Burns' work is at. You know, Robbie Burns being the poet of Scotland. Um, you know, Robert Louis Stevenson getting to see some of the, the pictures and the story of his life and looking at some of the artifacts that went through and, you know, fed into such things, you know, like the great tales of piracy and all of his adventures that really inspired the stories he wrote. You know, to go in and look at, you know, Sir Walter Scott and and some of his things, the cabinet that you know, inspired probably a lot of the work uh, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to get to see all of that stuff in person and tangibly and right in front of you. You know, talking about Sir Walter Scott, you know, the monument, if you're if you're looking at this on video, the monument over my shoulder is the tallest monument in the world for a writer. And it's dedicated to Sir Walter Scott. That's his little white statue in the middle. You can climb up into it, get a great view of the city. It's over 200 feet tall. Sir Walter Scott is credited as being you know, the creator of historical fiction. I mean, that's one of the things he's really credited for. The idea that we can see writers and creators being recognized and celebrated for their work, both in the times when they wrote it and the, the times that we're at now, you know, walking around this city. One of the things that we talked about a lot was how do you really put things into a proper context? You know, talking about the history and when you're walking through a place when you're talking about not a couple of hundred years of history, but thousands of years of history, of architecture, of construction, of living history, knowing that you're walking on a street that, you know, millions of people have walked on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years knowing that you're walking by somewhere that the black death, you know, you saw piles of bodies stacked up during the black death or things that where, you know, lots of strife have happened. We walked through a lot of castles. We went to certain uh, places that have familial impact for me and going through all of that. You know, one of the things that was sitting in the back of my mind was this idea of context. And one of those things that I think we all too often can sometimes lose is trying to put the actions of the past 
the the history and trying to rewrite it in our own worldview. Because I have no doubt that, you know, hundreds of years from now, they're going to look at a lot of the things that we do today and say, how could, how could somebody have done that? How could somebody have, um, you know, taken some of the medical practices? How could somebody have taken some of the cultural practices? Because it will be anathema to them then, things that are the norm to us today. You know, walking through streets where, you know, talking about the economies of the times. You know, one of the things that really we talked about a lot that was very striking was the presence of the signs of royalty everywhere, right? For those of us here in the States, if you've never been abroad, you know, if you're used to very much this sense of how we perceive government and freedom and everything else, Everywhere around you, you know, walking through London, walking through Edinburgh, there are signs of the crown everywhere. Even though the monarchy is not is not whole power like it did, there's still the signs of monarchy and power and how that is held and managed every single day. Everywhere you walk by, there are reminders of the power of the crown. And these are the sorts of things that can't help but to influence how you as a people live and think and write and create, you know, walking by statues of people like Hume and, and some of the other great thinkers of time, you know, walking through the library at Trinity museum. And one of the things that's going on at, at Trinity museum, which is at Trinity college in, uh, in Dublin is they're currently going through a restoration project, which means they're removing all the books from the shelves. And getting to walk through part of the library where you're seeing, and I've spent a lot of time in this library um, where you can go and smell and feel the books. It's a living, working library. But to see all of these empty shelves, knowing the history that sits there. By looking and talking about the history and looking at the world around you and talking about it in the context of how the people at the times would have viewed it, felt it, lived it, is one of those things that I think that we as creators have an obligation to get a sense of, to feel, to understand. Because if we're going to write, especially about other times, other places, other worlds, it's a really hard thing to do to get beyond our own experience, beyond our own personal context of how we view the world. This is part of the reason that as writers, even if we retell um, different takes on classical stories, as we go back in and kind of put our own spin on characters, on ideas, all of it's derivative work. But what's important is the nature of how we look at the work and how we tell our version of the story, which means that we have to be very aware of the context in which we're telling our story. And how that can be perceived, not by the people around us now, but also how that may be perceived around the people from us who are reading our work in 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 years from now. If we're all that lucky to have anybody caring about what we wrote 200 years ago. And this is one of those things that I think there's great value that we often lose is understanding the context of our times and how we got there. You know, one of the things that 
as we walk through the streets of Edinburgh. And one of the things, you know, everywhere you go throughout UK, there are different places, different things that have inspired the work of Harry Potter. You know, all the different places that J.K. Rowling sat and worked and did different things. You can walk through the streets and see definitively how the city of Edinburgh influenced and created the story in the world of Harry Potter, right? Much the same way you can do the same thing and walk through many of those streets, walk through much of Europe and see how it influenced things like Game of Thrones. Because again, much of medieval history and European history has influenced so much of that kind of Western writing. Same thing has struck me in the past, you know, when I've been in places like Asia, um, Mexico, Central and South America. To read the stories about those places, if you've never been there and never had that feel, it's harder to have that context. It's harder to really get the essence and the feel of the writer writing about it. And I think the same thing is true as a writer when you're trying to write about places, about times, or use them as an inspiration. It is a very different sensation to be able to look at, to touch, to feel, to actually smell versus the idea of what we see from history books, what we see from pictures online. You know, most of us are never fortunate enough to travel a lot of places and be able to do this. So we, we've got a lot of resources that give us the ability to work with these pieces. However, the one thing I would say is when we look at things in proper context, when we consider things in essence of the times when they were created, if we look at and can get just a little bit of a flavor of how different the influences are depending on different places. I mean, even if you just go a couple of states over, you'll discover how different the culture is of your own neighbors. Uh, again, I've had the, the benefit of working all over the U.S., all over North America and, and around a lot of parts of the world. And this is one of those things that we've always had to be aware of in traveling and working is how do you work with the people where you're at? And so this is what I really struck me and I, I wanted to kind of touch on this week is how do we look at things in the context of when they were created? How do we look at them in the context of what inspired them, what the drivers were and more importantly, as a writer, as a creator, one of the most important things I think we get out of the act of creativity, be it writing, be it art, music, you know, as we've been talking about a lot of the impact of AI created art and generated art, when we look at these things, one of the big essences that we miss in these AI created things is that essence of the soul, that essence of the the creator, because the act of creation is really one of those things that allows us to explore ourselves, how we think, how we process, how we put things into context of our own lives, our own histories, our own memories, because no matter what you do, there's always a large part of us as a creator that makes its way into the world, even if it's not conscious. And this is, I think, one of those things that we as creators, we usually aren't thinking about when we're doing the work, that idea of why am I thinking about things in this way? And while I was over there, there's a, a one of the, the upcoming books I'm working on. 
part of what I was talking about was about the Bohemian movement in the 20s. And <clears throat> several of the places we were at as we went through, you know, while the main Bohemian movement of the 20s was in, or from the 1850s to the, to the 1920s was in Paris, you could see the influences of this. And there were parts of the history and the structure as we walked through Europe where you saw those same sorts of influences on the walls as you walked in the pubs. That essence is still carrying through that idea of art for the sake of art and forsaking everything else for it. And this is one of those things I've always kind of had a challenge with because in the act of creating, in the act of bringing something into the world, we know we see as we've talked about, and, and I'm going to be bringing some of this up with the new book coming out. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of the time through the ages where creators were supported through patronage. Creators were supported by really a small number of wealthy people that sort of collected creators. They created art, collected artists, they create collected writers. <clears throat> and what came out of that was some fantastic long living art. You know, walking through some of the castles, you know, looking at paintings that were 300, 400, 500 years old, hanging on the walls, portraits, snapshots of life from the past. One of the things that we do as creators is not only tell our story, not only tell how we view the world now at this time. How, even if we're writing a historical novel, we have the influences of our current day that influence how we write and talk about that. Or if we're writing about a fictional world, a place maybe not so far separated from Earth, or it could be a place light years away, right? There's still a context of ourselves, our time, our knowledge, our skills and experience, and the way we think that makes its way into the work. And I would challenge everybody out there that is, whether you are reading, consuming, listening to music, watching the film, think about your perceptions. How do you see the work? Why does it impact you or not? Why does it move you the way it does or doesn't? As you're working on your own work, whether you are creatively mixing teas, you're, you're brewing a beer, you are writing a story, you're, you know, you're creating a new artwork. Think about what it is of you that you're putting into that product and how it's going to touch the people that are going to take it, consume it and use it. Because one of the things that I think we we've lost sight of now that's important to get again is that idea of things that are now classical works, things that have shaped sculpted our society, things that influence us every day without us knowing it, without us being aware of it, without us being conscious of it. You know, none of us are a product of being out of a bubble. We are the product of our history. We are the product of everything that's come before us. We're the product of our families, our generations, and the people we grew up around. You know, none of us are the product of something born of whole cloth. <clears throat> and our work reflects that personal history. 
So as you're thinking about taking on new projects, new work, as you're trying to look at what story you're trying to tell, I think as we go forth, and this is one of those things that I do try to do and sometimes don't don't manage to do or sometimes get lost in, is remembering what's the context of how we looked at a piece of, of work as we looked at the story. And as I was mentioning, you know, kind of looking at that bohemian movement of the period of time, which was forsake money, give a, you know, don't worry about the money, just create the art. This is one of those things where that starving artist idea really took hold. Was it was a celebration of the idea of struggle and sacrifice for the sake of the art. And I think that we've seen a lot of great art created as a product of struggle and strife, because it's a reflection of us. It's a reflection of life. It's a reflection of our experiences. At the same time, one of those things that I firmly believe in for creators is when we bring things into the world, if you've created something of value and it's being reflected and appreciated for that value, the creator has a right to that to benefit from it too. And I think this is one of those things that often I've talked to way too many creators that are afraid of making money from profiting from their work. They would rather live in an age of strife because they fear if they give up that, that challenge, that fight, that uphill battle, if they actually start to profit from their work, that, you know, there'll be a sellout. They'll be, you know, they'll lose that creative edge. The truth of it is this, we all go through challenges. We all go through growth. We all go through these sorts of things. But if we are finding success, success breeds success. And we don't ever lose those memories. We don't lose that experience. But as we become more successful, we get to look at those challenges in a different light and a different experience. And looking at some of the creators looking at the histories of some of the most famous people that came out of the Bohemian movement, especially going back to Paris in the twenties is you see this mixture of people that absolutely struggled because they believed that was the only way they could produce good art, but looking at also some of the great names that it drew not only from all over, over Europe, but also brought from the Americas and then eventually brought much of that back to New York, Chicago, other major cities. You know, we look at people like Hemingway, who spent much of his youth as a reporter there around the Bohemian movement in Paris in the aftermath of World War I, knowing that it was an age of joy and celebration. But there was also this, this trauma. There was this collective experience that they had survived a great war and the world was rebuilding. People sat and created and brought art into the world <clears throat> as a way of trying to help and heal the world, but they were afraid of profiting from it. So what I would challenge you to do as you go out and you start working on your next phase of work, think about, think about your, your history, where you're at, whether you're just starting out, whether you are a teenager, whether you're in your 20s, or whether you're in your 80s and reflecting back on the life you've had. The truth of it is, every phase, every stage we go through, we have a story to tell. We have new experiences. We have new 
growth. We have new things to see, new ways to look at the world. And the world is always changing around us. And we're in a world that's changing now, not by decade or not even by year, but sometimes by hour. And this is influencing who we are now too. So as we try to write stories, we have to tell our stories the way we view them, the way we see them and share that experience because this is going to be the way that people understand the context of our times in the future. Because it is those experiences, the way we view the world that really makes its way through our work. So until next week, this has been Creating Pros and get out there and get creating.